for another time to, to be in your word, to be in your house, God. We ask you to just help us to put everything behind us and focus on you tonight, God. Open our minds and our hearts to you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to talk about the heart tonight. What if we could see your heart? Of course, I'm not talking about your physical heart because that would be bad. Uh, what if our heart's desire was shown on the outside of our body? What if people could actually see your true heart? What would they think about you? If they could see your desires, your sins, would you think they could? you could still be considered a, a Christian? Could you be a witness if for people to people if they actually could see your heart, your desires? From a biblical perspective, we can and should see our heart. Did you know that the brain is not mentioned at all in the Bible? But the heart is mentioned eight hundred and twenty six times. Eight hundred and twenty six times in the Bible. Our heart is very important. It's not our, our physical blood pumping heart that we're talking about tonight, but it's <clears throat> it's who we are. I want to answer three questions about the heart. My number one question is, what is our heart? Number two question is, how can we see our heart? Number three is, what are the benefits of seeing our heart? So what is our heart? It's important that we understand what the Bible means when it speaks of our heart. In our modern culture, we think of the heart as a, a set of emotions, a passion. Follow your heart. You know, that's, that's one of the biggest things people talk about. Just follow your heart. Uh, it, it's a, advice often given, which more directly means do what you feel. Should we really do what we feel? Because if that was the case, I would be going around punching people in the face all the time. <laughs> but we shouldn't do that. That's not godly. We can't be a witness when, when we're going around when people make us mad, we punch them in the face. Can't do that. Yeah. I know. It's bad. We should be able to, but we can't. Well, Jesus wouldn't do that. The heart as is a, is a biblical concept is more than feeling. It guides our thinking and feelings so we can make choices. We can make godly choices, not fleshly choices. When the Bible speaks of the heart, the will or the spirit of a person, it refers to the same thing. It is the heart that directs our life, or it should. It should direct our lives closer to him. It should direct our lives to, to show people what a Christian can be like, that you don't have to do these worldly things. You don't have to be involved in all this stuff to be able to have a good time, to be able to have friends. You don't have to, you don't have to be involved in all the, the junk. The human heart, will, or spirit is the center of the human life. The heart is where decisions and choices are made for the whole person. It is our spiritual function. The function of the will, our heart, is to organize our life as a whole and organize it around God. That's our sole purpose. Everything should point back to God. Everything we say, everything we do, every thought, we should be able to suck it around back to God. If not, then we're, you know... We need to work on ourselves because I know I need to work on myself every day, every minute, every second because I have anger issues a lot of times. And I know that that's not how we're supposed to be. I work in the prison and it's crazy. So sometimes I get really angry and I got to I gotta say, take a step back and like, hey, my heart is wants to 
be fleshly and jump on somebody and do something bad. But then I got to say, hey, I can't do that. I've got to show God through me to these terrible, terrible people so I can be a witness. And I'm not talking about just inmates, I'm talking about staff too. Sometimes we are the only thing that people are going to see about God. They're not going to read a Bible. They're not going to go to church, but they can see God through us. And our life lived for Christ is the biggest witness we could ever have. Jesus tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and all our mind. It is the first order of business for a life that pleases God, through which blessings flow to us in a life and the next. Matthew 22, 37 and 38. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Love comes from the heart. We're supposed to love everybody. Sometimes it's really hard to love everybody. You don't have to like them. But you got to have the love enough to where, okay, if I have differences or if I have problems, I can pray for them and not hate them. We can't create like enemies, but we know we can't hang around with some people. That's okay. But we still got to love them. Christ loves us, and there's no reason he should love me because I'm just a dirty, nasty sinner. Every day I fail miserably, but he loves me regardless. loves me so much that, that he seeks me out. He, he still is in my mind telling me, don't do that. Don't do that. Even though I fell him so many times, he's still there because he loves me. If we do not make it our first order of our heart to organize our life in this way, Proverbs tells us that we cannot stand in the day of evil in whatever form it comes to us. Proverbs 25 and 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like the city that is broken down and without walls. Psalm 16, King David expresses the intent and blessings of a well-ordered heart. Psalm 16, 7 through 11. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope for that will not leave my soul in hell. Neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me a path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand there are pleasures forevermore. He is always with us. Always. Just when you think you, you, you've hidden, he's there, right beside us, ready to fight every fight with us if we'll just let him, if we'll just give it to him. Lord, I can't handle this. He's like, all right, I got you. That's all we got to do. Give it to him. He is faithful, more faithful than we are. How can we see our own heart is the next question. Jesus tells us that if we, we look for our treasures, that is where we will find our hearts. I want to help us understand what the Bible means by treasure. The Greek word translates treasure. treasure. It refers to wealth and the place that holds that wealth. Luke 12 and 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our English word treasure can have many different broad range. 
It could mean um, money, jewels, precious metals. There's so many things it could be. You know, a, a pirate, a pirate's treasure chest. You know, there's all kind of things we can go to when we talk about treasure. It also means something of great worth and value. Therefore, we see that treasure is more than a material wealth or, or possessions. We can turn other things into treasure like our work, our family, relationships, our body, our hobbies, or any other commitment that we put before God. We can make anything in this world more of a treasure than we do God, and that is that is a sin in itself. Where your treasure is, like Luke says, is where your heart is also. So where do you lay your treasures up every day? Do you lay it up in going to work, coming home, and being a, a good parent to your kids? You're supposed to do that. But are we putting Christ in all that? Are we giving that to God? Are we doing it for God? That's where our treasures need to be. They need to be laid up to God. Yeah, we're going to have things here on earth. That's that's not, it's nice. It's good to have nice things. But where's your treasure? Not your money treasure. Where's your treasure at? Is it with God or is it with man? That's a good question. Treasure is morally neutral. Wealth in any area of our lives can be a force for good when it, is, when it allows us to live out our love for God and for others. Wealth in any area of our lives can be a force for evil when it causes us not to express our love for God and others. It is the choices we make in our heart about our treasure that make wealth work for good or evil in our lives. So we can use our treasure for Christ or for the world. We can use our gifts. Our, our, if, you, if you can sing, you can use your gift of singing for Christ or the world. Playing an instrument. Speak, you know, speaking the word. You can know something, but if you use it for, for Christ, it's good. But if you use it against Christ, it's evil. Anything we do can be good or evil. You just got to choose what we're going to do with it. There are four actions that we can, that we can take with wealth. We can store it, we can spend it, invest it, or we can give it. We store for the future, right? If, you know, we should have a savings. We should have things stored up for a rainy day or for when the ice box breaks or when something happens. Uh, we spend treasures to receive an immediate benefit. Something you won't run out. We invest treasures to receive a benefit in the future. I put money in my retirement. I want to retire one day. I'm investing for my future. We give treasures to help others. <clears throat> we should. We should be able to give a, a coat to somebody that needs one or uh, food, anything. Because all this stuff that we have is, is just material things. Sometimes just a friendly gesture of buying somebody something, a meal, uh, giving them something that they admire that you have maybe. It's little things like that that can that can turn somebody. Say, hey, you know what? That's pretty cool. He just did something for me. Why did he do that? And that's gonna get the wheel spinning, and that's be a way you can testify and you can show God's glory in your life. It is the choices we make in our heart about our treasure that make wealth good or evil. We just spoke about that there. Um, any of the, these four actions can be good or evil depending on the choices we make in our heart about our treasure. Based on the meaning of treasure, we can see our heart by looking at the four areas of our lives. Look at where we store it, spend it, invest it, or give it. 
in material wealth or possessions all your time. That's a big thing. <clears throat> Do we give our time to reading our Bible, to praying, to coming to church, spending time with God in prayer, or do we give more time in watching Netflix, uh, going to baseball games, doing what we want to do? You know, that time is treasure. You say, Brother Gene, time is treasure. You only get so many days, you only get so many hours. What, what you do with your time is a treasure. Second thing is look where you store, spend, invest, give your time physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Third thing, look at where you, where we store, spend, invest, or give your time physically. Oh, I was doubled. Sorry. <clears throat> Jesus tells us there is another place we can look to discover our heart. Look at what causes us to worry, or more literally, to be anxious. Or to have anxiety. Jesus says in Luke 12 and 22. And he said unto his disciples. Therefore I say unto you. Take no thought for your life. Where ye shall eat. Neither for your body. What ye shall put on. To worry is. Is to be anxious about something. And we're not supposed to be that way. Uh, God has blessed us so richly. None of us has ever had to. Go beg for a meal. Never. We've never been without clothes or shoes to wear. God's going to take care of those. Those are little things. If we give him the big things, we do what we're supposed to do, lay our treasures in him, that's going to turn around to where he's going to take care of us. It may be, I remember when I was, uh, me and my wife first got married, and we had we had Brittany, and money was not good. I was the only one working. We had one vehicle, and I really didn't have much money to go buy food. And I'm like, man. I'm not asking somebody, but we went and checked the mail on the way home from work, and I had three checks in the mail. One refund from a doctor's office, and, and I forget what the other two was, but it was, it was equal to about 200 something dollars. But, you know, in the early two early 2000s, it was probably like 2002, $200 bought a lot of groceries then. So I'm like, Lord, this is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. $200 today, I'll get you a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread. But it's those little things, it's having the faith. You know, I still gave him my tithe and I still gave him my offering, even though I knew that I was running short. I swear, I still put my treasure in God, because the Bible says to do. And I got I got three checks in the mail. I wasn't expecting any of them. God is God is good. To feel anxious is to have extreme uneasiness of mind or fear about some contingency. To be anxious is to have an extreme worry about something that might happen to you, but whose probability is uncertain. Jesus does not prohibit us from having normal concerns and taking responsibilities for our daily needs in any area of our life. We're going to have the normal worries. We're going to worry about our kids. We're going to worry about if a vehicle is going to break. You know, we're going to have those little worries. But what Jesus is speaking of here is, is excessive or obsessive concern. We should not lay awake at night and just worry about things that is out of our control. What good is it going to do us? Absolutely none. <clears throat> if if there is something that's that taxing on you, you got to give that to God. 
because it's out of your control. I, I tell my wife, my kids all the time, you can't worry about things you can't control. What good is it going to do? Absolutely no good. I, I can't change the outcome. So why should I worry about that? Uh, yeah, I'm going to put some stock into it, but why am I going to lay awake at night? Why am I going to just go my mind crazy worrying about something that I can't change? <clears throat> Jesus gives us two specific areas where, where we can experience anxiousness. We are, we, are we anxious about our life, especially how we will sustain it? Food. That's a big thing. I love food. But in the first century context, Jesus meant not to worry about food in a literal sense. However, food is also a symbol for what, uh, which sustains our life. This is our, this is our bread. This is our food. This is what we feed our spiritual body with. If we're not feeding our spiritual body, it's dying. It's, it's from withering away. We got to feed it every single day. You will recall that that Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone. There is more that sustains persons than physical food. Therefore, anxiousness about food can also imply an obsessive worry about how we will sustain any part of our lives. The literal and the, the symbolic issues surrounding food, which sustains our lives, apply to us today. <clears throat> I love food. I ain't gonna lie. <clears throat> and I know that even if I lose my job, that God's going to make a way. He may send a wild hog in my yard that I can shoot. You know, it, it doesn't matter how I get the food. You know, somebody could drop off a bag of groceries on my carport. That's something that we shouldn't worry about. As long as we do what we're supposed to do, we got, we got to give it to God first, and he is going to take care of us. Do we have anxiety about our body, how we will protect ourselves, present ourselves to others, and our reception by others? Speaking like clothing, Jesus meant that his disciples should not obsess over material things, but clothing implies a much deeper concern. Some people are so hooked on clothes, that's their life. I got to have the best. I got to have this. Got a $300 pair of jeans. Give me them $20 pair at Walmart. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clothing protects our body. Through clothing, we, we present ourselves to others. When I mean, you walk up to somebody, whether we like it or not, we're going to base a perception off of what the, somebody looks like. I mean, it's this human nature. It's is it right? No, it's not. And I catch myself all the time, like, "Hey, stupid, why are you doing that? You don't even know this person, but you've already got a preconception by their outer appearance. Why? That's human nature. How we dress in in, in the how they dress in the first century compared to what we dress now is totally different, right? I mean, they didn't have any any uh, name brand labels on their clothing back then. That's right. They didn't have them Gucci sandals and Michael Kors purses. <laughs> Therefore, clothing plays a role in how other people treat us. You ever been, I know in school, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a bunch of money growing up. Dad was on disability and you know, we couldn't, we couldn't have the nice shoes and the nice, everything like that. And I got picked on a lot, but I mean, it really didn't matter. I mean, I, I knew my parents did all they could do and provide for me. They gave me all they could, and I was cool with that. People can pick on me all day long. I mean, I was short, a little overweight. They just give them another reason to pick on me, you know. They, they, it's right. They're going to find bullies are going to be bullies. They need to be punched. 
but we can't be violent. <clears throat> Jesus teaches us here uh, includes the physical concern for material clothes, but, go but goes beyond it to address obsessive worry about our safety. How will we protect ourselves? <clears throat> I pray many times a day that God will protect my family, protect my church family, my grandkids, my son who's climbing you know, electric poles, you know, Brittany working in a school, you know how bad schools are, you know, school shootings and all that stuff. I pray all the time about it. Um, I don't think I'm obsessive about it, but I might be. I might not be having enough faith. Well, you know, why do I need to pray four or five times a day about something? Why can't I just pray in the morning and have faith that God would, would just take care of it? You know, that's something I have to work on. How do we want others to perceive us? How will others treat us? If I go from wearing my jeans and, and, and button up shirts all the time to wearing three piece suits, people are gonna think, Hey, what's up with Levi? You know, you know is, did he get did he get some kind of job? Is he doing this, is he doing that? I'm still the same person. Nothing's changed but your perception. You know, if I go buy a toupee and, and, and wear contacts, you know, I'm going to be looking like a different person, but I'm still the same person. You know, it's, it's our perception that gets us in trouble a lot. We, we have to look further in. And if you have God in your life, you can see somebody's heart. You can tell, you can tell how they are. But whether they're, they're good or not, we can't treat them any different. We should actually treat them better if we know that they're without Christ. If we know that, that they're in need, we should, we should love them. Jesus didn't hang out with the, the Pharisees and all that. He hung out with the, the rough people, the ones that needed him. You know, I'm not saying go to a bar and find, trying to find people. I'm just saying that we need to be conscious of people and and not treat them any different because of how they act, what they say, what they look like. Because deep down inside, you don't know what they're going through. We can we can see our treasure when we look at how we use our material wealth and possessions, how we use our time, how we use our effort, and what causes us anxiety. Can we figure out whether our wealth is working good or evil in our lives? And in the world, by asking a simple question: Is is my wealth in any area of life helping or hindering? Me and leaving out my love for God and for others. Am I putting more stock into working overtime than I am coming to church or being with my family? You know, am I spending more time watching TV than I am Bible? Am I spending more time going to the games instead of in prayer? Do I evacuate my prayer room, my little prayer prayer closet because I'm tired? You know. <clears throat> We can't, we can't give less to God and give more to something else because that becomes our treasure. What are the benefits of seeing our heart? As we walk with the Lord through life, the benefits of seeing our heart come to us. Just as it takes time for money to grow in value as an interest compound, there's a simple experience in our spiritual life. Over our lifetime, we reap the benefits of a willingness to look at our hearts as the Holy Spirit reproduces the life of Jesus in us, we should always be showing Jesus through us. It's hard. 
but that's our witness. Based on passages in Luke 12, here are eight benefits of seeing our heart. Seeing our heart helps us to know where we are making progress in trusting God and to know where we need to grow in our ability to trust God more. God is going to stick closest to us than any brother, friend, family member, no matter what we do. No matter how many times we fail, God is going to be there. We just got to put our trust in Him. Over time, we come to experience freedom from anxiety more often. Jesus' words in Luke 12, 25-31 become easier for us to trust and apply. It states, 25 is, And which of you, with taking, though, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye, though, for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow it casts into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? For all of these things do to the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. We become increasingly comfortable with the fact that only God is in control of our security and well-being. <clears throat> we got, I, I know I have got to give God more, more faith, more trust, because I'm a worrier. That's probably why I don't have any hair. I'm a worrier. And there's no reason to worry as much as I do because I know God's going to be there. He's always taking care of me no matter what stupid thing I've done. He's always taking care of me, but I still have that fleshly worry that I've got to fight against every day, and it's hard, very hard. Number four, we become progressively at ease knowing that nothing in this life belongs to us. Can't take it with us. It is all a temporary trust from God to use in the kingdom unique ways that he has designed for each of us to take part in his kingdom. It doesn't matter what we have here on earth or what we do have here on earth. It really doesn't matter because none of it can come with us. Our soul was the only thing that mattered because that's the only thing going to the afterlife, either up or down. You're going one way or the other. No matter how many Toys you have, ATVs, boats, trailers, $500,000 house. None of that matters. Christ is the only thing that matters. We have, we have to have to become more Christ-like. Number five, gradually we delight to invest more wealth in all areas of our life and kingdom causes because we know that our Heavenly Father knows what we need. Therefore, we become less concerned about diminishing our resources when we invest in the kingdom. We are confident in God's replenishing supply. Just like the, the barrel of, of oil and flour. You know, it didn't run dry. Ours won't run dry either. He's going to provide for us whatever we need. Number six, over time we have less fear about our life and how we will sustain it. 
how we will protect ourselves and how others will receive us because we know that while we own nothing, this world puts an ultimate value on we own everything because our Father has given us the kingdom. Luke 12 and 32, as we generously give our, our wealth to advance the kingdom, we are ruling and reigning with him right now. We use the resources God has entrusted to us to do what, what we know God wants done. Spread the gospel. Grow disciples. And care for those who cannot care for themselves, as Jesus would care for them if he were here today. You know, the old verbiage, what would Jesus do? I think about that all the time. I kind of laugh because that was so big. But, I mean, what a question to ask yourself. Every situation. If Christ was here right now, how would he handle this situation? Probably not like I would. You know, that's the sad part. It's, we're supposed to be more Christ-like, but it's so hard in the day and time we live in because we put more stock and the worldly things and fear and anxiousness and desires than we do in giving God over, giving over to God our our worries, our concerns. We just we just harbor it and it feeds and it builds inside of us and it brings us further from God instead of closer to God. Number seven, slowly but surely we see that we really can sell our stuff and give to the poor because our giving to others never diminishes the supply that God has constantly given us. As we grow older, the value of stuff diminishes because we know we're leaving it behind. We find it satisfying to give away what we cannot keep. You know, there's there's been several times where... <clears throat> Um, it's like my wife was used to babysit for a while and they would come to the house and, you know, I had this little alligator head that, man, I, I really liked it so much. And this, this little boy, and he loved that alligator head. So I'm like, you know what? No, I like it so much. I'm gonna let him have it. And I gave it to him. Guess what he did with it? He broke it. You know, <clears throat> it's crazy how we can put so much stock and love in something and, and give it away. And then we get upset because it doesn't turn out the way we think it should. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's just a thing. It, didn't, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just a thing. This is what matters. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Very, a whole lot better than what I gave. Number eight, as we walk with the Lord, we build treasure of eternal value. We build wealth no one or any circumstance can take from us. We're storing treasures in heaven, and it's waiting for our arrival. That's, that's where I want my treasures to be. I want my treasures to be in heaven. Here's what I think our eternal treasure is. I think our eternal treasure is, is a heart that becomes step-by-step step like the heart of Jesus. That's how, that's how I want, want my heart to be. That's how I want my actions to be. And I'm striving and I'm failing every day, but I'm still striving and I'm taking steps toward it. And it's hard. But I, I base this on the fact that, that Romans 8, 29 and 30 teaches us that the point of our life on this earth is for us to become more like Jesus. Romans 20 and 29 says, Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestine, them he also called. For whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. He's called all of us 
to do something, to be a part of his kingdom, to do a work for his kingdom. We just got to answer the call. He's he's waiting on us. It's hard, hard, hard sometimes. But the more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend in our Bible, the more time we spend with God, the better we can hear his voice, the better we can know what he wants us to do. Uh, he may have a, a plan, but he's a big plan for your life. But he's just waiting on you, waiting on, on, on you to say, okay, God, I'm ready to give it all to you now. I'm ready to take that step closer to you. I'm ready to give less of myself to the world and more of myself to you. The end goal of us becoming like Jesus is our eternal glorification. <clears throat> That's what I'm waiting for. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't want it to happen today because, I, I mean, I want to spend more time with my family, but then, you know, I kind of do want it to happen today. But I know that there's people in my family that aren't ready to go to heaven. And it would sad me. It wouldn't sad me because I would be with Jesus. But to think about it saddens me right now. You know, it breaks my heart to know that people aren't right with, with God and that I might not be able to spend eternity with them. You know, it, it hurts my soul. And that should give me a more desire to reach out to them and do more and, and, and try to get them in. There's a... Oh, I'm sorry. This old hymn describes what becomes over a lifetime of disciples' genuine treasure. This is the old hymn. Um, Jesus, priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure, friend most sure and true. Along my heart with burning, fainting much and yearning, thirsting, Lord, for you. Yours I am, O spotless lamb. So would I let nothing hide you, seek no joy beside you. When we walk into heaven, there, there we'll, we'll find Jesus. He's, that's our that's our treasure. Finding being able to just walk through those gates and be with Jesus. I don't need anything else. They can keep they can keep my my house that they say I may be able to have. I don't care. I just want to I just want to be in Jesus' presence. That is going to be so awesome. There we'll find our heart and we'll see it fully because our heart, our body, and our soul belongs to Him. In life and death. And in the life everlasting. All everything belongs to God. We just gotta accept that and say, you know what, God, you're in control of everything. <clears throat> use me for your kingdom. Use my body, use my words, use everything I got for your kingdom so I can help glorify you just as Christ did. So I can make it to heaven. That's 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 the end goal. Have we seen our hearts? Can we see our heart if, if we will look at where we invest our material wealth and our possessions, where we invest our time, where we invest our effort, and what causes anxiety? We can see our heart if we will ask if, if our, our wealth in any area of our life is causing us to be more like Jesus or is leading us away from Jesus. Advent causes us to look to where our heart is, for there we will find our treasure. When we find our treasures, is Jesus standing there? Is, is he? Is he standing where your treasure is? The prayer of, of being helps us discover where our treasure is. When we sit silently with the Lord and turn our hearts toward him alone, 
we communicate with him that Jesus is our pleasure. Jesus is the choice of our heart. Pain or loss or shame or cross shall not from our Savior move us since he chose to love us. Jesus is our priceless treasure. So that's all we need. That's, that's really all you need is Jesus. He will take care of everything else in your life. Then we will step into heavenly glory. With joy, we will see that Jesus stored our hearts. His priceless treasure safely in his loving care. He holds. He holds our hearts. He is. He should control our hearts. <laughs> Although it's hard sometimes for him to let him control our hearts. It is a daily struggle that that we're going to fail at. But if we if we work every day to be more and more like Christ, we'll start getting over those struggles. We'll start getting over those 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 sins, and 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 we'll work to be more Christ-like. But you've got to work on it. It just isn't going to happen. I, I found myself, you know, it just doesn't happen because I ask God to. I, I got I got to do something. You know, you've got to put forth effort. And that's hard sometimes. But does anybody have anything they'd like to say or? Nope. Anybody good? All right. So leave you with that one question. Just think about it. What if people could see your heart? How would they see you? How would you be known if it was all on the outside? Would you be would you be a witness or would you not? That's what I asked myself. That's what came to my mind a few weeks ago when I was driving. That's what popped in my mind. What if people could see you, the real you, from the inside out? Could I still be a witness? Could I still show love? Would people trust me? Would people even listen to me? <clears throat>